mailbag. The Oxford Dictionary defines mailbag as a large sack or bag for carrying mail. But I bet you knew that. You remember those elementary school compositions where you or others in your class would start their paper with the Oxford Dictionary definition is, well, but a, a large sack or bag for carrying mail hugely understates and misses the mark for the Rule Breaker Investing podcast mailbag, which with this episode has now done a dance, danced for 100 consecutive months as of this week, danced. I say, because it's a tango. You write me a note, a question, a thought, a story, a challenge, and as your dance partner, I'm following your lead, doing my best to tap out something that'll be worthy of not just your attention, but but everyone's attention, because everyone is watching us dance on every mailbag. And for this special 100th edition of the Rule Breaker Investing Mailbag. We're breaking our own rules. It's not just a large sack carrying mail. It's human voices, specifically seven humans who are numbered among the great contributors multiple times each to some of the great mailbag episodes in our podcast's history, now in our ninth year, and now with our 100th mailbag. Only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. I'm delighted this week to welcome seven fools who you get to keep company with. Good company. These are each people who've distinguished themselves with the quality of their contributions to make the Rule Breaker Investing mailbag dance now for years and years every month. The final Wednesday... Now, this 100th dance together, the most special of all. Those seven fools will be joining me shortly. So, yeah, it's a mailbag. It's our 100th consecutive monthly mailbag, but in another way, it's it's actually a mailbag like no other. So, thank you in advance this week to my special guests, Jason Moore, Dave Geck, Jum, Jason Trice, Adam Nelson, Mike McMahon, and Jason Newman a dream team of wisdom, kindness, and foolishness. And that's right, yep, if you were counting three Jasons, clearly the Motley Fool over-indexes in members named Jason, and so I've made the mailbag items number one and number four and number seven in order to space them out, and, of course, to make them the bookends for this podcast and the page-turning middle for this 100th Mailbag. Before I get started, two items of interest. First, let me just say very clearly that there are so many and have been and are so many wonderful contributors via mailbags to this podcast. Whether you were a one-off or wrote me four of them last year, I have had so much fun with all 100 of our mailbags. I'm very conscious that in identifying these seven people as superstars, I hope you, dear listener, If you've made a contribution in the past that you're proud of, I'm grateful for it, too. And I'm sorry that I couldn't have everybody on this week's mailbag. I know there's some clear omissions, just like the Oscars every year. Can't name everything a best picture. I could never manage to bring in all my favorite contributors, but you're probably one of them. And no snub intended. Let's dance together again sometime soon. And item number two of interest is this weekend's extra, because... This podcast, this 100th mailbag, is basically structured as a series of, just like a mailbag, 
individual interviews with these seven special people. But I thought, you know, we could do something more. What if we had a group conversation, explored four fun, open-ended questions? It would make it too long for our weekly podcast, so why not make a weekend extra of it? So please join me with these special fools starting Saturday morning, as you like. A weekend extra from Rule Breaker Investing is on tap because, you know, it's our 100th, and how could we not? All right, let's crank it up. Let's get it started. Rule Breaker mailbag item Number one, Jason Moore. Jason Moore first came to our attention on the August 2020 mailbag. He wrote, Dear David, here's the tale of our first spiffy pop. We bought Shopify for $39.93 a share on November 10th, 2016, after it had already doubled following your first rule breaker recommendation. On February 12th of this year, again, 2020, that's four years later, Shopify was flying high, Jason wrote, and I thought we might see our first spiffy pop. That would mean the stock would need to go up more than $39.93 in a single day. But alas, Jason went on, it landed short by $1.50, closing with a gain of $38.50 for the day. And then the pandemic hit. And before ever tasting a spiffy pop, we ate three spiffy drops in eight days. Jason documented those dates, but then said only eight days after that, and this is reminding me of the incredible volatility of March 2020. Do we remember it? Only eight days after that, Shopify finally popped as in Spiffy Pop, and it has not stopped. A year later, on the February 2021 mailbag, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, and Sailor, I got to tell Jason's story through his own words. I just entitled that one, Winner. Jason also is the reason that Arthur Brooks was on this podcast last year. He read, love your enemies, said, you have to read this, have them on the podcast, and we did. Thank you, Jason, and welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Well, thank you, David. It is a pleasure to be here and to talk with all of you fellow fools. It's going to be a lot of fun this week and our weekend extra. Jason, let me start by asking you for a two-line bio. Well, sure. Uh, it looks like I am the only quirky Canadian outlier in this eclectic group, so I am very happy to be here representing us. Um, I am now 44 years old, a few years on since uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Sale, and uh, I have two young kids of my own, uh, under 14 now. I officially have a teenager in the house, so everybody <laughs> else can help warn me about that. And uh, I'm just looking forward to getting to chat with uh, this magnificent seven of your own. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jason. And I thought about what, what are just three questions I could ask each of our guests on the mailbag, this special 100th mailbag. And I'm going to ask you these three questions first. And this is going to really form the structure of this podcast. Jason Moore, what's the best investment you've ever made? And what did it teach you? Well, you know, I was going to talk about uh, NVIDIA and Tesla, and I figure some other people on this show are probably going to be better suited to do that. So I am going to include something that I have only kind of realized that I stumbled into investing in my early 20s, and it was quite by accident. <laughs> so you can picture a 21-year-old Jason cluelessly throwing money into his company pension plan uh, with 100% match, let me tell you. <laughs> and Awesome. 
and here I was thinking, you know, it's just another deduction coming off of my gross net, stopping me from enjoying my life at the time. <laughs> so um, as it turns out now, looking uh, back on that, that money that I was putting into that plan actually helped uh, turn into a down payment for my first house. And wow. it has... Uh, been my longest running investment that I've had. And after I've gotten to know a lot more about investing through this podcast and through a lot of other information, uh, I look forward to seeing what that's like in another 30 or 40 years. That is just fantastic. Using the power of compounding returns, there really is no substitute. And the earlier we can get anybody we're connected to on that train, making their first investment. Jason, I'm quite sure uh, those two kids under 14, including a teenager, I bet they've gotten a start on investing. I won't even ask you much about that. Even if you haven't started accounts for them yet, which I suspect you might have, starting the conversation is valuable on its own. So I'm really, I love that answer. And thank you for sharing that to question number one. Jason, question number two, how has being a part of this podcast community helped your approach to investing, to business, or to life? That is probably my favorite question. Um, and this community has helped me in probably two of the main ways. Uh, investing in and in life I'll focus in a little bit on. So in investing, um, the ability to reach out and talk to all of the other members who basically can share some of the same common beliefs, but the ability to reach out and get different perspectives about them and different insights from them has just been invaluable as I've selected stocks and selected book recommendations and selected all of the other things that I've done. <laughs> um, pursuing the areas of interest that uh, I feel like a complete beginner in. Uh, and mm -hmm. when I came to Motley Fool, I really was a complete beginner in investing and uh, going through the forums and going through the podcasts that were available to me uh, has just helped me out in innumerable ways. I'm really delighted to hear that. You know, thinking back to the decision to call our company The Motley Fool, which, by the way, wasn't much of a decision in the sense that we didn't think we were going to be a company. This was just a newsletter for our parents' friends. It was a lark. But I'm so glad now, in retrospect, that it was The Motley Fool, because I think we're all fools. And to think that you describe yourself as somebody who's just beginning, not really knowing much about what's going on, that's really, that's all of us. At, at different points, we switch on in our lives. And many people sadly never do switch on, but I'm glad. I, I, I like to think that our name is a welcome mat to, it sounds like it was to you. And just the overall vibe of we're all fools. We're all in it together. Please help me with my insurance decisions. Cause I, David Garner, never ever want to talk about insurance or have to make decisions there. But some of you know something about that. And that was the spirit of the Motley Fool from our earliest days on AOL forums. Thank you for sharing that. Jason, my last question for you, looking ahead, what's one aspiration or goal that you have? You know, I'm a big believer in setting goals with intention, and every year I sort of refocus in on the list. Um, but I really decided to try and come up with something new as we were going into this podcast, and it's something that I have thought about a little bit before, 
And I have now set the intention. So brand new just for your podcast, David. Love it. <laughs> uh, I currently only have a uh, bachelor's degree and a minor in psychology. Um, but I'm setting an intention that I want to turn that into a PhD in the upcoming years. And it might take me 20 years to get there. Um, but I want to really dedicate myself into an area that I love and to be able to examine it at that type of a level would just be something um, that I'd really strive towards. And um, we know it's not going to happen by accident. <laughs> so if, if James Clear has told us one thing, right, is that we need to be able to turn those into habits and, and put them into intention. And so that's my intention. Mm. That is fantastic. I think, Jason, that you have read so well. You've read deeply into this area. Psychology is waiting for you, my friend. And I, I might be waiting for you, depending on what's going on in my life, whenever you do get this PhD. I don't know if you'll be my psychiatrist. Sounds like you'd be a psychologist. But I think that the world is waiting for you to get there. And I think it's great, whether it's five years or 20, I know that you will. And uh, it's such a great Great subject. Well, Jason Moore, thank you very much. You were the leadoff hitter for this, our 100th mailbag. And again, for the reason that you were the one who said we should do this. And thank you. It's going to be so much fun. And you started us so well. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, Rick, if I may so humbly uh, suggest the title for your episode as Too Many Jasons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mailbag item number two, Dave Geck. I associate Dave Geck first and foremost with the wonderful story he shared with us that I've since shared multiple times on this podcast. It was on the January 2018 mailbag where Dave shared the story of how he started the habit of saving back in his military days, laying out his simple plan for how he did it, and years later blew away his friends and even his own wife when he revealed he'd been saving about 42% of his gross salary, 42% year after year and how that's compounded for them. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll also recognize Dave as a gifted storyteller who sends in notable quotables from time to time that I've been both delighted and honored to share. Thank you, Dave Geck, and welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Well, thank you, Dave. I'm from Texas. I'm 71 years old. I started investing when I was at West Point at about 18 years of age. I've been retired for 10 years now. I uh, worked for various companies. The last one was for 17 years at General Electric. Uh, I've been married 43 years, have two children and five grandchildren. That is fantastic. Thank you for giving us a window into your life. 53 years of investing, Dave. Just fantastic. I'm not surprised you've been retired for a decade or so for somebody who got started that well and has saved so well. And thank you again for the stories that you've shared, which has just been my pleasure to share. You know, I was checking, Dave, the very first appearance you had on this podcast was, in fact, correcting me when David Allen, the Getting Things Done author, had been on the podcast. And I, I had briefly talked about how I have a pet peeve against the phrase life-changing or people who say that changed my life because at the time, and I even said this on air, that that isn't necessarily a great compliment because the only constant in life is change. And so just for something to be life-changing says very little about it. And I said out loud, you know, life improving is I think what most people mean when they say life-changing. 
And then I went on to introduce David Allen, Getting Things Done. I'm a huge fan on the podcast, talking about his life-changing work uh, for me. And you called me out on that mailbag uh, just just weeks later. And I, I really do appreciate that, Dave. Dave, Dave Gek, what's the best investment you've ever made and, and what did it teach you? Well, I guess I should say the best investment was spending the right amount of time and effort uh, towards my marriage, uh, which have fooled my wife for 43 years to uh, stay married to me. But <laughs> since it's an investing podcast, uh, I guess I'll do a little braggadocio and uh, mention about in 2007, I invested $629 in Netflix, and last checked, is worth over 145000 Amazing. And, and then again, in August of 2010, I invested $614 in uh, NVIDIA, and it's uh, $236,000. That uh, is absolutely spectacular. Two important things on that is, I believe, is that uh, following Tommy's advice, uh, Tom Engel. Longtime fool, Tom Engel, yep. Yes, a little is all you need if it's great, and a little is all you need if it turns out to be bad. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got many examples of the other one. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned Tom Engel, longtime fool hero to many, somebody who's added so much value to our online site, especially the Motley Fool forums over the years. And Tom has also been a guest on this podcast, laying out his philosophy. I've always loved, many people love that line, a little is all you really need if it doesn't work out or if it really does work out. And what an embodiment of, of that dictum you and your story are, Dave. That's fantastic. How, how has being a part of this podcast community helped your approach to investing, to business, or to life? Well, to me, it's been kind of an extension, I guess, or Going on graduation from first, I was an avid uh, participant in the uh, newsletters and uh, participant in the forums and uh, learned so much on those, like I said, on the Tom E. quote. And uh, I just kind of jumped over, I guess. I'm not much in the forums anymore. I don't even know if they exist, to tell you the truth. But uh, jumped over to the podcast and, oh, I'm a prolific uh, participant of, of those and miss some of the ones like answers. And one of my favorite was investing in Asia. Uh, mm. But uh, one of my favorite also now is the, uh, uh, the Australian one with uh, Scott Phillips. That's wonderful, Dave. And uh, I'm assuming that part of the reason that you joined the Motley Fool in the first place, when you think about your initial reason was that you'd been doing investing for 30 or so years before the internet ever showed up. Was it, what What inspired you to come to fool.com and make contributions? And you did under your screen name, Doug Echo, for years and years. And that's how I really first got to know you. But do you remember what triggered that? Oh, sure. It's, it was easy to remember what it is and it, because everybody has complained about it uh, ever since. And that's the marketing about uh, how the, the marketing, oh my God, it's so horrible. But every time I would hear somebody say something about it, I'd say, yeah, well, it sucked me in. And I'm <laughs> so, uh, and, and, oh, that's and I always really thought, funny. And I always thought that, uh, I think it was Bill Mann who said, you know, we're kind of embarrassed by it, but gosh, it still works. You know, it, it's the only thing that works. We've tried other things, but it, it just works. Well, I've tried to speak to that some over the years. You know, it, it's an eye-opener to me what gets people to click. 
and what gets people to take action online. A lot of it is often, as I think each of you would appreciate, but once you see it from our side, it's just such an eye-opener, is creating some sense of urgency, like by midnight this Thursday, you have to join or not. And while it's certainly true we could have had you join that Friday or that Saturday, it turns out for humanity, each of us, that setting even artificial deadlines that are real deadlines really causes people to take action. So that's one example. But I, I really appreciate that. I've tried to speak to that some over the years on this show as well. Dave, let me close it out for now by asking you question number three, looking ahead. What's one aspiration or goal that you have? Well, when COVID came, I got way out of shape. And uh, my aspiration now is to get back into shape, and I've got two goals on that. One is to be able to bench press 90% of my uh, body weight. I always considered 100% to be good, but eh, it's 71, 90% is the goal. And the other is to be able to do three pull-ups. Uh, before COVID, I could do uh, six pull-ups. Uh, now I can eh, just about get my eyebrows over the bar, but uh, we'll get there. <laughs> I bet you will. Dave Gack, thank you very much. We love setting physical goals. I mean, our health matters, I think, even more than our financial health. And sometimes it's hard to remember that from one day to the next, especially if you're in a grind. But when you're retired, COVID comes along. It puts us all, it set us all back. And I really appreciate you sharing that. And uh, I'm looking forward to whatever your next mailbag submission is. But for this 100th mailbag, that was very special. Dave Geck, thank you for being with us. Thank you. All right, on to Rule Breaker Investing mailbag item number three, Jum. Jum first wrote in to that same January 2018 mailbag that Dave Geck did. So that makes it historic on its own. But here's how I introduced it on that episode, which now makes me giggle, and I think people will understand why. And I'm going to quote myself here. Mailbag item number three, I said in January 2018. This one comes from gum. It's spelled J-U-M-M, but gum kindly lets me know that it's actually pronounced like gum. First and foremost, he writes, this is my first email ever to your podcast. It's been long overdue. I've been a member of Rule Breaker Investing and Stock Advisor for the past several years, and I have to say, and this is why I read this note, by the way, to Rick, my producer, and anybody listening at the time, because Gum said, I'm your biggest fan. Well, over the years since, regular listeners have gotten to know, first and foremost, that Jum is a she, not a he. It's not pronounced Gum either, and we have seen this fantastic woman embrace rule breaking in her investing in her profession as a nurse, and in her life at large. Thank you, Jum, and welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Hi, thank you, David, for this opportunity. It's been an honor to be part of this journey with all of you because I started listening to this podcast in 2015, but it wasn't until 2018 that I started to write in. And you really have. And thank you. You know, this is not this this special 100th mailbag is not an invitation to all listeners to just spam me with mailbag submissions all the time. We get a good, healthy amount from one month to the next. But it is an invitation to to share the quality that you bring that you bring, John, that each of our 100th mailbag 
contributors has brought. I'm so grateful for your contributions. And Jam, I've really enjoyed getting to know. And you're such a generous person as well. You've sent brownies to Full HQ, the Motley Fool Foundation before. I mean, I wish every listener was like Jam, by the way, who's not gum and not a guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I didn't realize you called me a he until the end. And when I listened to it the second time, I was like, oh, I need to tell him that I'm one of the female listeners out there. <laughs> yes. And you did. Yes. And that, that was helpful, as we can now clearly hear. John, how about giving us a, a two-line bio? Sure. Um, so as everybody knows, I am a registered nurse. I am 48 years old this year. And I was born and raised in Thailand. And for me, I started saving as soon as I started getting my first paycheck. I was working as an airline stewardess for Japanese airlines. Mm. And when uh, that was when I was 20 years old. So afterwards, when I got my degree in nursing and in, in entering in the workforce in 2008 is when I started um, investing for the retirement in the stock market. That is wonderful. And I know your present self is really grateful that your younger self had the vision uh, to do that. John, what's the, what's the best investment you've ever made and what did it teach you? Well, I, even though I'm going to talk about a specific company um, here, but I have to get it out there that I believe my best investment that I've ever made was 20 minutes of my time listening to the Motley Fool ads and decided <laughs> to join the Motley Fool um, service because that's when it led me to discover this one company and everybody listening here for a long time knows it was NVIDIA. It is still um, by far the biggest holdings in my portfolio, but the profit from it has helped me grow my, my, uh, my portfolio in the past eight years. The lessons that I've drawn from investing in NVIDIA, I have three lessons that I'm going to quickly tie it together. Number one is never underestimate the power of luck, good or bad, in life. Number two, the importance of patience and long-term mindset. Number three, how to build a portfolio that will allow you that patience because we're all human. When the stock market's going up and down, we would want to, you know, sell at the downturn. So, David, you recommended NVIDIA in 2004. It's not until 11 years later that I decided to invest in it. I was extremely lucky to be able to get the money in at the time. I didn't have to wait that long. But some investors have to wait two decades for it to prosper the way that it did. Um, so that reminds me of sometimes it does take that long for something to become the successful investment. I would like to build the portfolio that helps me being patient. And two things that helps me do that is that I have to diversify. I don't put, you know, a money in one company. Number two is do not put the money that you need in the next five 10, or even 20 years in this case, in the stock market. And those two actually had helped me stay focused and not panic and sell when the stock market downturn. Classic lessons, things that we've said for 
many years, and yet it's not that easy to follow them. Sometimes I'm conscious that when I say things like, hey, be playing the long game, it's easy to say. And and I, I truly believe if you make it into a habit, and I believe this august group this week has done that. But for many people, that's very difficult. So I really appreciate not just that you say it, but you, that you've lived it, John, and wow. now you're telling us the story. My second question for you, how, how is being a part of this podcast community helped your approach to investing, to business, or to life? I will go with life part this time. Like, I've always been an optimist. And being part of the, this podcast has actually empowered me to stay that way. Because, you know, I like to, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt and focus on the positive rather than dwelling too long in the negativities. Because I've been called, you know, jump so gullible. She thinks that the world is so beautiful and, you know, nothing bad is happening. That's not true. I am well aware of the bad things that are going on in life and in the world. But I truly believe to be able to um, get past that. And you have to be an optimist because optimistic viewpoint will is a source of hope. And it's the hope that is actually gets you out of the seat and go out and do things and believe that things it's gonna get better. You can't just dwell in, you know, the pessimistic viewpoint because that's just not really gonna take you anywhere. So I thank you for um, your optimistic worldview. When you respond to the negative comments on the podcast or the guests from in the past, for example, Shirsad Shameen, you know, positive intelligence. That's really helped me stop, like help me strengthen my belief that it is okay for me to be who I am. It's okay to be mm. positive and optimistic. I almost could just end the podcast right there because that's really what more could, could I hope for from an audio medium that just gathers us on a weekly basis. John, that was beautiful. Thank you very much. Looking ahead, what's one aspiration? Or goal that you have right now? Well, as I have uh, achieved my financial independence at this age, I know that I could not have done it alone or by myself. I have had a lot of help along the way. So, you know, whether it being my parents who themselves struggle with money, they actually taught me the right virtues and the disciplines around, around money. Um, my ex-husband, shout out to him, who has supported me financially while I go to nursing school, and also being the person that started me investing in uh, retirement. The Mali Full community has played a big part in growing my wealth. I would like to continue to pay it forward. So thank you, David and Tom, for creating the Mali Full Foundations. I think the foundation is a wonderful um, rule breaker in itself because unlike the traditional foundation, for example, you um, donate money to children hospital, which is a wonderful thing to do. The money goes towards paying for the medical costs or buying some medical equipment of some sort. The Marleyful Foundation expands in donations by giving it to a fellow rule breakers, who's already on the ground working towards uh, helping with fi fighting financial independence. So that 
if you are in the position to help, um, I would really encourage everyone to look into this wonderful foundation. And also myself, I will continue to do everything I can to let everyone know that investing is my passion. And if anyone wants to knowledge, I would be there to help and share the knowledge with them. Well, you just did that and on a, a stage today that I'm proud of that enables your voice to reach many. And you've already been doing that, each of you, by writing into mailbags these 100 months in a row. But, John, uh, thank you so much. That, that, was a, that was a gift. And, man, am I glad to have you on our team. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you, John. You bet. All right. Rule breaker, mailbag item number four, Jason Trice. Now, Jason Trice, I think, first found us. I don't know. We'll find out from him, I guess. But maybe from Twitter, though, I'm going to ask him directly. But I do want to say that I don't think anyone has added more value to tweeting out and summarizing many of the points and frameworks via Twitter than Jason Trice, who is, by the way, at Jason underscore Trice on Twitter, an excellent follow. I couldn't quite find that first time, Jason, that you interacted with this podcast. But for example, September 13th, 2017, I retweeted a post that you had made. And it was simply a few traits that at David G. Fool looks for to find in excellent businesses. And there are seven, I won't go through them all here, but three of them are recurring revenue, considered boring and high customer retention. The list goes on, but the tweets have gone on. The support has gone on. Jason, I feel like you may know my frameworks better than I do, and I'm really delighted to have you on this 100th mailbag. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, David. Uh, you know, that's a great question. I I don't, I can't recall exactly when I first came uh, upon um, the Motley Fool. I know it was from some some advertisements, and uh, I eventually clicked on one and and became a member. And, uh, you know, during COVID, I actually started listening to the Molly Fool live show. And, um, and that's where I, I kind of learned about your podcast and, and began to listen. That's well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm delighted to hear that. Um, Jason, how about a two line bio? Who are you? Where are you from? Sure. Uh, I am a long lifelong Texan. I, uh, recently moved to North Carolina and, um, I'm a father and a husband uh, I was thinking today, uh, back to my, my first investing, um, I, I actually started when I was 20 years old. Um, mm. And it was I used money from my dishwashing job at Chili's. And uh, I my dad knew that I would waste it if I took it back to college. So he uh, he convinced me to put it in a Vanguard healthcare fund. And, uh, and I forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> so it turned out pretty good. <laughs> it's a reminder, and this has been proven many times, Brokerage firms will publish occasionally studies or academics will will pull their information. And the brokerage firms invariably demonstrate that the among the best performing accounts at those brokerage firms over years are the people who forgot they had an account and it's simply compounded over time. And that is in direct contrast, typically, to the very active accounts that probably make more money for the brokerage firms, but unfortunately not for the people who overtrade them. So kind of love that. What was Chili's like as an employer? 
You know, it was great. Uh, the uh, the food uh, was my favorite part. I, I would work a double, and and I would have a uh, half turkey sandwich with a chicken enchilada soup almost every day. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I loved it, and I got half half price uh, food. So I love it. Well, that probably wasn't the best investment that you've ever made, but what was Jason Trice the best investment you've ever made? What did it teach you? So I thought. Uh, I'm going to break the rules a little bit, but I thought if it's ever okay, it's on this podcast. Um, my, I heard the term for the first time a couple of months ago, memory dividends, and it 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 brought uh, to mind uh, a a moment in my life where I was making a career change, and in my late twenties, uh, I had the opportunity to accept a job in a student ministry for a church, and it it meant a pay cut and it, you know, wasn't going to pad my 401k. Uh, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for advancement. Um, so I had some, uh, some fears going in. Um, but I, I accepted the position, uh, and I ended up working there for 11 years and the, I was able to go on, uh, mission trips to, uh, to Kenya and Guatemala and, and Jamaica. Uh, and I was able to work side by side with, with students and their families. Um, and it, it just, it, when I heard that term, it, it made me think of, of that position and, and those 11 years. And there's not a day that, that doesn't go by where, where I don't think of a student or um, an interaction I had in, in Kenya or something fr- from that time. And so um, it was just a reminder that there are there are so many ways to invest, and, and financial dividends are great. And I've I've been a, a, trying to pursue those a lot in the last few years. <laughs> um, but but the memory dividends are also extremely valuable. Mm, love that financial dividends for those companies that pay them typically paid quarterly. Memory dividends sounds like those are daily, and uh, really appreciate you breaking the rules with that answer, Jason. How how has being a part of this podcast community helped your approach to investing, business, or life? Yeah, the the rule breaker community has been very valuable to to my life. I, you know, as you you mentioned, I've been tweeting, you know, my lessons, and I started, I think, uh, around the pandemic, uh, sharing. I was I was listening to RBI podcast, and someone mentioned the Run for Glory, uh, going back into the the all the episodes back to 2015, and I just I started going through those episodes, and um, they were so helpful to me as I, as I began my individual investing career. And so I started sharing them on Twitter and it was, it was daunting at first. I was afraid to send the first one. I thought people, um, my inner critic was, was, was very loud and saying that I, I, I had no business sharing these investing lessons. And so when I did, I realized how supportive the community is. And so I, I say that the, the community helped me understand the power of sharing my perspective and that my perspective is valuable. And on the other side of that, I learned the power of understanding other perspectives. I get caught in my own bubble and uh, in my own head sometimes. And this community is so diverse, all ages and backgrounds and, and um, countries. And I've learned so much from from just the comments that the community has given me and, and taking time to understand uh, other perspectives. Thank you for that. And I know you've even spent some time with fellow fools, formed some friendships over the years, whether by Zoom or face-to-face. Um, you're not the only one on this podcast, but I, I 
I hope everybody will take advantage of the opportunity to learn from the people, the seven amazing fools that you're getting to hear from today. Um, whether it's just online via Twitter on our Motley Fool forums at fool.com, certainly uh, meetups. Our company does occasionally have meetings for members and those kinds of things, or even just uh, dropping someone a line saying, let's zoom it out. So thank you so much, Jason. And uh, you are an embodiment of that. And looking ahead, what is one aspiration or goal that you have? My favorite podcast episode uh, is is the Lead a More Interesting Life one, which is is kind of funny because it was, you know, an extra, but I've listened to that episode countless times and it's encouraged me so much uh, in my life. The reason I I share that is there's a, there's a quote from a Matt Damon movie called uh, We Bought a Zoo. And he talks about um, 20 seconds of insane courage in the movie. He's, he's talking to his son and he's, he's trying to convince him to uh, ask a girl on a date and his son is nervous and he's afraid. And, he says, you know, sometimes in life, all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. And that's been something that has helped me in my life. Um, I was asked by a mentor one time to to speak uh, in front of a group of hundreds of people, and, and I was terrified. And so I, my immediate response was to say no. And he said, you can say no, but in three months, I'm going to ask you again, and you're going to say yes. <laughs> and so three months later, sure enough, uh, it happened. And as I got, um, I said yes, and I got up and I spoke and it was a big lesson in my life um, to that a lot of good things happen on the other side of our fear. And a, a good way to lead a more interesting life is to kind of go right at the things that scare us the most. And um, so mm. I think my my goal moving forward is to embrace the things that 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 scare me. And, uh, and just I'm kind of thinking about the second half of my life right now and what I want it to look like and um, how I can lead a more interesting life. Well, Jason, I think you've led a very interesting life, and those memory dividends are reminders of that for you every day. I know you share some of those images and stories out on Twitter as well, which I've, I've encountered. And if if the first half of your life was that, I'm looking forward to seeing the second half, especially based on what you just said. I, I hope you won't take any crazy risks. I think there's something good about that 20 seconds, but maybe not 20 minutes sometimes. But wow, what a great example you are for each of us, and thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much, David. It's really an honor to be here. All right. On to the 100th mailbag rule breaker item number five. Adam Nelson. Adam Nelson has added as much value to this podcast as anyone I can think of. Quite simply, he improved the market cap game show with a simple and brilliant suggestion. That came on the January 2021 mailbag. It was Rule Breaker mailbag item number one. It came from Adam Nelson. Let's do it, Adam. I said, hi, David. He wrote, I really enjoy these episodes. Thought I might suggest a change after listening to the last Market Cap Game Show. Try giving the guesser, Adam wrote, the ability to state a range of market caps, and then their opponent can say inside or outside that range. Adam went on. This is similar to the old card game AC Ducey, which is always a good time. And I have to admit, Adam, I never have played that card game, so didn't know it, but I get the concept. And I really liked it. And Adam went on to provide additional insight about how to do it right. I went back to double check. Over the years in this podcast, I have called Adam Nelson a genius, a great man, a brilliant listener, a hero among humanity, 
If you ever run for mayor anywhere, you have my vote. Savior of humanity, hero to many, hero among men. All because of that winning tweak suggestion he gave to our game show, which I described thusly that one tweak when the skies opened and Adam Nelson spoke down to me about how to improve the market cap game show. Leading me to state that I will always lionize him no matter what he does or says on the show or in the world at large. I'd nearly forgotten, by the way, that in November 2021, in a mailbag, he provided a full rewrite of Hamlet's classic soliloquy, To Be or Not to Be. It was entitled, Adam knows this, but many will have forgotten or missed it, To Trim or Not to Trim. Thank you, Adam Nelson, and welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Wow, David, thank you so much for that introduction. Uh, I'll probably be replaying that for my children uh, four or five <laughs> times every night before they go to bed. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, it's one of the things I love about you is you make uh, this whole thing fun. Your enthusiasm is is contagious. Um, and I just really appreciate that you you share the credit and you have a great community here. Uh, I do love games, and you know, since I'm batting fifth in the order here, I'll try to uh, clear the bases. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love that, Adam. How about a two-line bio? Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm 37 years old, so I graduated uh, from the University of Washington in 2008 uh, during the financial crisis, and with a finance degree. So that was my first lesson that it's not really possible to time the market, uh, including the job market. So um, I yeah, graduated from the University of Washington. And then after that, married my, my wife now of uh, over 15 years. And so we've got three uh, wonderful children, three daughters, ages 11, 8, and 5. And we still live here locally in the area. Fantastic. Thank you for the background, the story behind the man. Are you listening, kids? All right. Let me mention, by the way, before I ask you my question, which is what's the best investment you've ever made and what did it teach you? I was also reviewing another mailbag item submission of yours a few years ago, Adam. You just mentioned Shirzad Shamin and positive intelligence and how meaningful his work was for you. Now, that's not the first time Shirzad's been rocked on this week's podcast. Pretty sure John mentioned him as well, maybe others. Adam, any thoughts to share now or reflections on why? I actually do want to share something about that, but I was going to save that for your second question here. So I'll, I'll save that in the tank. Beautiful. You know, sometimes I just, I start to do things out of order and break my own rules. Let's get back to it. Adam Nelson, what's the best investment that you've ever made? What did it teach you? So for me, you know, there, there are financial investments, of course, but I think one of the lessons I've learned as I've gotten older is investing in relationships is incredibly important. So I was a bit unique in that uh, when I was 20 years old, I invested in a diamond engagement ring for my, for my wife. And I think, you know, now that we're, you know, many, many years down the road, I can look back and say, that was an incredible investment. And wow. I haven't... Um, I haven't wanted to sell or trim that. I've been holding this whole time, and I think it's compounded incredibly. So, you know, my advice there is, um, and what I've learned is that those relationships do take a lot of time and investment, but they compound over time. And I think that uh, can be a really powerful lesson uh, for people to take away. So glad you articulated that. It's easy using spreadsheets and percentage gains annualized to say very numerically 
the benefits of compounding returns when it comes to money or other things that can be easily counted. But it has been borne in upon me a number of times, you just did it once again, that the compounding returns happen in all areas of life. The investments that we make of time, and especially in relationships, those also compound. Huge benefits, probably not played up enough in the first nine years of this podcast, but you just rang that bell one more time, so I wanted to ring it along with you. Thank you. So well said, Adam. How has being a part of this podcast community helped your approach to investing, business, or life? Yeah, I think the wisdom of this crowd is is evident. And, you know, everyone that has gone before me here has really shared some wonderful stories. Chum brought in the point about Shirzad Shamin and his positive intelligence book and the optimism and positivity that goes along with that is really powerful. And one of the takeaways that I had from his story was the concept of, of who knows what is good or what is bad. Uh, and regardless of your religious beliefs, I think it's a powerful concept for each of us to understand that sometimes bad things happen, or at least they seem to be bad at the time, but they can turn out to be really good and powerful events in our lives um, and turning points. So if you have that outlook in life, I think it will help for dealing with these things that come along and turning them into positives in your life. You know, Shirzad makes a real point of asking you to ask yourself, how can I make this a gift and an opportunity? And that's sometimes in the face of the worst things that we hear or that could happen to us. And I'm, I guess, fortunate enough that I, I don't feel like I've had to ask something really hard like that since having Shirzad on the on this podcast four years ago for the first time. But I know if and when those things happen, and they do, that is an incredibly beautiful question to ask, and it's it's a powerful framework. So, Adam, thank you again for highlighting that. And, you know, this really does tie into our investing, our financial investing as well, because you often have to believe, especially when the markets inevitably give back, sometimes a lot, uh, on a recurring basis. It'll keep happening over the course of our lives. And so I've always tried to make a a gift or opportunity of that by just not paying too much attention. And rather than geek out over my portfolio where it is these days, I, I tend to spend more time outside or with other people. I just sort of ignore, it seems irresponsible, but I, I've gotten good at ignoring bear markets. And I feel like it's both psychologically healthy, but it is a way to turn some negativity into a gift and opportunity. Adam, looking ahead, what's one aspiration or, or goal that you now have? Well, listening to everyone else speak, you know, I would like to have more of those very long-term big stock portfolio winners, of course, uh, as the years go on. You know, I'm fairly young, but I have decades ahead of me where I can hopefully have some of those. And one of the reasons for that, I think, is to share that with my family, with my community, and pass along some of those lessons to my kids. But related to that, you know, what I aspire to with with my kids, you know, they're 11, eight, and five. Uh, I think it would be really cool someday to play a round of golf with all three of them uh, all together. You know, I think that's uh, a long-term vision that hopefully can become a reality. And maybe we do it somewhere exotic that I haven't been to. I haven't, haven't traveled as much in my life as I would like to. You know, living an interesting life, I love that concept as well. And I, I've done a lot of things and have a lot of hobbies, but I haven't traveled as much. So I'd love to share that. 
uh, with my family, maybe play a little golf, have some more fun. And yeah, that's a definite goal for the next decade. Well, you've said it now, so it has to happen, but it was probably going to happen anyway, because as we start to live into the things we're thinking and actually sometimes take that 20 seconds of courage and just race forward and and go for it, uh, we, we surprise ourselves sometimes by how much we become more of ourselves and the things that we thought we would be, the things that we said we would do, especially in front of tens of thousands of people listening on this week's podcast. So the kids have been forewarned. And it sounds amazing. When, not if and when that happens, I hope you'll share out a picture that we could drop through our Motley Fool feed at some point whenever it does happen. Adam Nelson, thank you so much for being a fellow fool. You bet. All right, Rule Breaker, mailbag item number six, Mike McMahon. Mike McMahon has been adding a lot of value across the Motley Fool, especially in our interactive spheres like like Motley Fool Live, that's the TV channel that runs on our website for our members. And this particular podcast and his mailbag submissions and his contributions on Twitter, and those are just the things that I know. I know there are a lot of other things that Mike cares about. I hope we'll learn a a few of them uh, right now. I first saw Mike write to this mailbag, I think it's March of 2022. He was reacting to the previous week's Market Cap game show, Mike asserted in that mailbag item, he said, listening to the Market Cap Game Show, I found the best outcome uh, is just to always say outside the range, especially for obscure companies. Perhaps the scoring should be modified, Mike suggested, to award a full point for agreeing to within the range and a half point for outside the range and then another half point for correctly guessing above or below the range. And as I thought about those, and I think I said this at the time, it made it a little bit more complicated than I want the game show to be, but I kind of got Mike's point. And anybody who was looking for a pro tip and might in future appear on the Market Cap Game Show, heed his warning and his advice. Mike McMahon, welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Thank you, David. You were the one who suggested in our notes and week leading up to this podcast that we make sure we have a little bit of a bio from each of our members. Mike McMahon, may I ask you for your two-liner bio. Okay. I'm 68 years old. I joined a a company in 1979. It was a retailer, West Coast retail. It was part of Dayton Hudson at the time that became Target. So it was a 30-year career with a Fortune 50 company. Um, During that time, they had a 401k program that allowed me to start uh, saving in 1985. Um, And so for that 25-year period, I, I was able to make contributions to that 401k, so I've always considered myself a saver, um, even though we rarely had investing options and weren't really, per se, investing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I re- the company went was then spun out from Target because Target was needed to be uh, more return on investment type of people, so when LBO brought, bought out the company, and we ended up going bankrupt as a result of the great financial crisis. So in essence, my career, business career ended in 2009. So for the net last five, 10 years of that, I, in essence, um, was just sort of being a contractor and to do minor things, find, find a job in a, in a golf, local golf course. And that's when uh, COVID hit in 2020. 
and I was in the pro shop and I got kicked out of the pro shop because it's closed and mm. started mar joining Motley Full Live programming, hence the name pro shop guy. And I've been doing that for the last three years. Thank you for um, a window into the life that you've led thus far. Mike, do you have any big takeaway reflection on Target or that time? Um, I think that the biggest takeaway I have is the fact that the company that I originally worked for, which is, was called Mervyn's, was a West Coast retail. Um, they were born out of the um, ability to say, provide retail to the baby boomers and mm -hmm. successfully built on that whole model of providing value to uh, companies or families that were budget restricted. But we, if you look at all the history of, of retail, we were over-retailed throughout the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And as a result, um, I think it's just a natural progression of e-commerce and everything else that sort of squeezed all these uh, companies like Sears and Pennies and, and Mervyn's and everything else. Huh. Thank you for sharing that. Clearly, pattern recognition that you built up over decades. Most of the rest of us uh, who don't know much about that industry, myself included, wouldn't have thought of it that way. But over retail, that's very interesting. Maybe even more interesting to me, though, Mike, is what's the best investment that you've ever made and what did it teach you? I would say initially it would, it would be the uh, postage stamp that I invested in buying a Christmas card to reconnect with. Uh, a college girlfriend who then became my wife of uh, 40, 43 years. That is, that is phenomenal. Do you remember what the postage stamp looked like? Uh, it was a standard issue at the time. It was 1978. So you'd have to, I'd have to sort of scholar that back. <laughs> the, second, the second thing I would say in terms of investments though, is beyond once again, since I wasn't really, I really consider, didn't consider myself an investor until uh, pandemic would be um, an investment in myself per se, in the personal development space. Um, there's never been an a chance for me to turn down buying a book. And as a result, I've co collected a vast number of books over the 40 years of, of reading that I've done. So I think that's wow. another compounding uh, effect that occurs. Bibliophilia, it can be expensive, it, not just in dollar terms, Mike, but it takes up some space. Are you able to fit it all? Uh, that's a sore spot with my wife. <laughs> when, like, what are you doing with all these books and why don't you get rid of them? Um, so, uh, of course, then again, technology kind of saves the day with, with Kindle and our comments and our, our mailbag suggestions about ReadWise and being able to uh, now store everything digitally and here. Love it. Mike McBan, how is being a part of this podcast community? I might even say the Motley Fool community more widely because you are very much identified by many Motley Fool live fans as a regular supporter and contributor. I think you're a contractor to our company now as, as well. So thank you for that. How has this experience helped your approach to investing business or life? Um, I would say that the, um, fact that when I retired, forced into retirement as a result of the pandemic, and then joining Motley Full Live community, as well as then 
as Dave pointed out, going out and exercising. I started listening to podcasts. So I take a two and a half hour walk every morning and listen to podcasts at one and a half speed. So I get over 20 hours of podcasts. Oh my gosh. You're in wow. my regular rotation. I look forward to every Thursday morning being able to listen to the various uh, different stylized programs that you, you provide. It gives me food for thought and an opportunity to uh, look at the world in a, through a different set of eyes. And that's what I attempt to that's the thing of most value I get out of. Uh, wow, our, you, you've just opened my eyes. And I think everyone listening, two and a half hour walk every day. Um, in some ways, I imagine it's only possible that if somebody is retired or semi-retired, although maybe there's somebody who can just like do conference calls and walk around for a couple hours every day. But wow, what a wonderful habit to be in, in retirement or semi-retirement and something that we should all aspire to. I always love meeting people who simply break the molds that I imagined were set forth for all of us based on how we're living our lives. That is a phenomenal contribution to your health and longevity, Mike McMahon. Looking ahead, what's one aspiration or goal that you have? Um, I think that the fact that um, I, I truly believe I've got another 25 years to go. And so I've actually just begun my uh, investing career. It was, uh, as I pointed out, basically, 401k program that basically allowed me to create a, a a large amount of money that when I retired, I was able then to take and turn around. So I had a portfolio of basically EFTs and, and mutual funds, but it was as a result of the pandemic that I said, oh, let's try the stock market thing. And Motley Fool Live, as well as your podcast and everything else, gave me an opportunity. So I completely transformed my portfolio from safe and sound ETFs and mutual funds into over 150 company stock portfolio. Love that. Is is my uh, starter my starter fund that I've got 30 years to go through, in my opinion. So um, it's it's been fun. Just getting started, 25 plus years ahead, planning and investing for the future. What an inspiration, Mike McMahon. Thank you for joining us on this 100th mailbag. You're welcome. All right. Rule breaker mailbag item number seven. Last. But not least. I'm not going to say the other thing. But not least, Jason Newman. No one has written, no one has written more good notes over more years to this podcast than Jason Newman. I first got to know Jason years before podcasts were even a thing. I think it was a New York City book signing in the 1990s. Jason's first appearance, though, on this podcast was the first year of this podcast. It was October 28th of 2015. The title of that podcast, check it, Google it, listen to it, enjoy it, was Seven Principles for All True Investors. And I'm going to quote what I said then as I introduced Jason. I was reading a great post on our discussion boards on Motley Fool Supernova this week by one of my favorite fools. His screen name is CMFJ New. CMF, by the way, means community motley fool because Jay assists as a volunteer in our community. He's that passionate about investing. He's very successful outside of what he does at the Motley Fool as a media professional today. He was talking about the portfolio that he's built up using Motley Fool services. He has 90 stocks in it. 
Jay's not right here with me, I said on that podcast nine years ago. Jay's not here with me, and I'm not interviewing him right now, but I'm pretty sure he didn't expect to have 90 stocks when he started investing uh, a decade or so, which is, by the way, more like two decades or so now ago. But now he has them, and he has them in three buckets. He's got the ones that he's very confident about, and then on the opposite side, the ones that are much more speculative or maybe out of favor. And then, of course, the middle bucket in between. But he's taken the time to massage it into a meaningful hole where he's got three buckets, but it's 90 stocks. Now, this is a guy who's still pretty young in life with a lot of earnings potential going forward and a family to support. And what a beautiful position. What an aspirational position for most of us to think that by the time we've just cracked 40 years of age, we have 90 stocks. Jason Newman, you are actually here this time. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. David, thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor and a pleasure to be here uh, on behalf of your august audience with this yes. group of fools. And you really were one of the early correspondents. I mean, really before we had mailbag, Jason, I was already sharing some of your story because for me, you are the whole package. You're somebody who is an investor. But as Warren Buffett says, I'm a better investor because I'm a businessman and a better businessman because I'm an investor, maybe my favorite of all Buffett lines. And as I got to know you now 30 years ago, I saw that in a much younger Jason Newman back then. And I know you're a successful family man and a good friend to those who get to spend much more time than I do with you. But what a delight it is to have you on this podcast. Jason, what's the best investment you've ever made? What did it teach you? Well, with an honorable mention to my family and my friendships, as mentioned before me, and with all due respect to my investments, my first investments in Apple in 2003 and Netflix in 2007 and Tesla in 2011, shortly after you all had Elon as a guest at Full HQ, um, I would have to say um, it was the time I took to read You Have More Than You Think by <laughs> David and Tom Gardner in the late 90s. Uh, shortly after that, the $2 bus fare I paid to go see you guys at that Barnes & Noble. It was uh, September of 1999. Thank night, you for that. One night after work. And at the risk of bleeding into my answer for the next question, I would say it's um, the time and money that I invested, and I'm not <laughs> not being paid to say this, in my stock advisor membership back then, um, and to become part of this wonderfully foolish community that you and your brother and so many countless fools have built, the friends that I've made along the way, on the message boards, at member events, at local gatherings, uh, at, at, at moments like this. And so um, that's by far and away more valuable to me than any of the uh, the investments I've made in any one stock. Well, thank you very much for that. And given the low-cost bases that I think you have in some of the best companies in the world today, that is quite quite a statement. And I really do know that's sincere. And I, I receive that in the most enriched, happy manner. Thank you so much for that. Jason and thank you. I know you mentioned you're very you're so welcome. You mentioned that that might bleed a little bit into your answer to my second question and now that I'm getting to ask it for a seventh time this week I think you know what's coming but how has being a part of this podcast community helped your approach to investing or business 
and or life? Well, I, I, you know, at this point, the Molly Fool is part of my DNA. It's part of who I am. I think if you talk to any of my friends and family outside the Fool community, they would tell you the same thing. Um, and to me, Rule Breaker Investing and all of the other Motley Fool podcasts, I've just been that constant reminder that there is more to investing uh, than money, than gains, than losses, um, than stock tickers, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's the insights that I get from the other fools on this call and countless others. It's the relationships that I've built through communicating with other fools who also happen to listen to the podcast and, you know, Twitter and social media have been, you know, an incredible catalyst for all of that. So, um, yeah, I I would just say, you know, it's that, and then it's, it's the constancy, David, you are so humble and, uh, you'd probably never say this, but we're celebrating the hundredth mailbag. Um, that means for a hundred straight months, uh, you've been at this. You said you were going to do it at the beginning. You've done it. And it's like you said earlier, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. And here we are a hundred months later. Um, it's just that constant reminder. It's that drumbeat. Well, thank you very much for that, Jason. And I think that just as we talked earlier about compounding returns and the importance of that, not just financially, but uh, relationships and and the time that we invest I love the things in the world that I can count on. I like the dependable. The world is crazy. And sometimes for very understandable reasons, people bail in this or that situation, or they can't make the thing, and they let you know just beforehand. And I'm sure I've done that to people in the past and will in the future. But really, I do love the things that we can count on, the things that recur. And uh, and I, I'm really glad. I didn't say best for last, and I don't feel that way because I love each of our contributors and the many that didn't get to be on this week's podcast who are every bit as worthy as any of us. Uh, But I really appreciate, especially Jason, that I close with you because we have the longest association uh, of of my friends this week. And, And thank you. I value that back. Jason Newman, looking ahead, what's one aspiration or goal you now have? So this is the one question I gave the most thought to. And one one aspiration uh, that I've always had uh, since I started investing 25, 30 years ago now has been to journal. Um, it's something that countless fools have encouraged all of us to do. And I'm so guilty of just never having done it. And I've tried and I've started and I've stopped. Um, so what I started doing actually, ironically, last month uh, is... Um, I've taken the statements of the portfolio that I began about eight years ago or so for my children. Uh, and I've started my, my oldest, I think you know this, David, my oldest son has really taken an interest in investing of late. Uh, so I've given him more and more peek under the curtain of what's there for him. And, 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 and so I've started taking the quarterly statements for his portfolio and I've begun journaling next to each ticker my thoughts on that company at that time. Wow. And so it's it's an excuse to journal. It's an excuse to teach him. And um, I aspire to continue to do it, whether I will or not, remains to be seen. 
Well, you're already doing it, so there's no substitute for continuing what we're already doing, turning them into habits. That's that's a wonderful gift, and I will say, having passed a portfolio on to three now adult kids myself, you want to opt me because I don't think I provided them notes next to each of the positions, but that really is a great idea, and for those who purpose that and make the time for that, it's very valuable. I know that our friend Mike McMahon, with whom we just talked, wrote into the mailbag just within the last year or two, about the power and importance of journaling, something Mike has been eloquent about, which we shared through more than one mailbag over the last year or so. So I think that we're among friends, very good company to hang with. And I'm not trying to title this week's episode, but I think that this 100th mailbag has given you and me, dear listener, you and me, some very good company to hang with. And I want that for each of us in life Six degrees of separation is a concept many of us know about. The idea is each of us is tied to every other person on earth by six degrees. I know somebody who knows somebody who knows that person who knows that, and you do that six times and you can touch almost everybody. And I would say even in the age of the internet, maybe it's down to five. I'm not an academic researcher myself, but I wouldn't be surprised if six has shrunk to five. But a lesser discussed, in this case, three degrees is the concept of cultural influence. And that is that we are all influencing three degrees outward from ourselves. Concentric circle, your partner, let's say. Concentric circle out from that, the person they work with. One more concentric circle out from that, that person's cousin. My wife's co-worker's cousin helped me start working out in 2024. No one can actually say that because you don't know that. But it's real because we're social creatures. We share it out. We share out the good and we share out the bad. I've always done my best to try to surround myself with as many good people as possible because then I know I'm being influenced directly and likely influenced indirectly in ways I can never appreciate that remind us all that no one is self-made, that we are all creating each other every day. And so my wish for you, dear listener, Staying with us through this special, this memorable 100th mailbag, I have two wishes. The first is, I hope that you're inspired by the good people that you got to spend time with this week. And second, I hope you'll join us for our weekend extra. We don't do this very often, but we're doing it this week. I'm just going to ask a few open-ended questions of this wonderful crowd and hear back some of their impressions. That will come your way Saturday morning. It won't be that long, but a little bit more along some new angles from this wonderful group of fools. So there it is, a hundred. I sure hope it was worthy of the 100th consecutive mailbag episode. I know one thing, my guests were worthy. I don't know whether I held up my end of the bargain enough, but if I didn't, I hope you suffered this fool gladly. I sure did love spending this time this particular week, this particular month with these seven people and an eighth. You, thank you so much for joining us. Fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.